Hey, everybody. Welcome to 100 Foot Jesus, episode 36. This is Matt, your host, and it's very good to um, be with you guys. I uh, Last week was an episode about race relations. Um, it was a rant. It wasn't an episode. <laughs> Um, it was a lot of my opinion and I'm kind of sorry about that. Um, had some really interesting long form conversations about that episode with some people. Um, some people I don't even know that just listen to the show, but you know, they're from way out in another part of the country. Had a couple good conversations with them about that. Um, one question I got is why are someone asked me um it's a listener named jessica she said you know i'm really happy to hear that you are addressing race relations in a very open way why aren't more pastors doing that um and my answer to that question is uh i think they are i think there are a lot of pastors out there that are addressing race relations right now um i think we should have been beforehand i'm owning that fully, by the way. But I think we have several that that are now. Um, I've seen quite a bit. Um, one thing I will caution against that, though, because I have a, several pastors listening to this. I've watched uh, two different um, interview style things with like a black pastor and a white pastor, which, by the way, dude, I'm so happy that this is going on right now. Uh, I am thrilled. One thing I'll caution, though, for you guys is um, out of the two I've watched recently, um, neither one really taught any scripture in it. Uh, Pastor, your job is to teach scripture. And if you talk, keep talking about life experiences and things like that, that is so helpful for our people to know that we're real people and we have real struggles. We have real hopes and dreams. Um, we have sin that needs repented of. A lot of us within race, um, quite a few of us have that going on too. And I say us, I'll own me too. I mean, however... If you're not going to discuss scripture, you're just a couple of people with opinions like everybody else. And um, you have a different role in your church, but you are not above anybody in your church. I hope you understand that. You have authority, but you're not better. You just have a different job. <laughs> so be careful about when talking on these issues, pastors, that we're not social justice warriors that are all about what I, we think politically, but we don't bring it back to what God's version of justice is. Because God's version of justice is beautiful. And uh, just make sure that we keep it home right there as we keep doing it. But guys, keep up the good work. I'm really excited that we have so many pastors out there and other Christians that, that are just opening this dialogue to talk about what God thinks about race. Because, man, the Bible is full of, full of so much information about diversity and reconciliation among the different diverse um, groups within our, our world. So... Keep up that dialogue, but again, make sure you bring it home to actually teach scripture in these conversations because ultimately your opinion is not worth any more than anyone else's, but your teaching of scripture is more valuable than anything. So just um, that. Uh, today, guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys a little story. I like to tell you guys stories. They're almost parables from this goofy guy right here's life. <laughs> and um, some, of you, some of you men can relate to this. Um, I'm not a car guy. Like, I'm not really a car guy at all. Like, I don't, I don't, um, I don't really know how to work on my own car. I can change my oil, but I don't do it much. I can change the tire, but I don't do it much. Um, I take mine to be serviced by people that I trust because I figure, hey, you know what? While you're checking the oil, you can check for all the other stuff I don't understand. Like, um, I recently bought a Chevy Impala, 
which I love my Chevy Impala so much. Um, but and I'm and I got and I and I I, I like this. I like to jo- go all in with Facebook. I joined groups, so I joined three Chevy Impala groups, and um, all the guys in there work on their own cars. And I I'm like I don't want to do that. But I'll tell you the type of car I've had for years. Um, Buick Rendezvous. Anybody a Buick Rendezvous? Uh, if you're a listener and you do Buick Rendezvous, hit me up because I would love to talk to you about your experience through Buick Rendezvous. When my wife and I first got married, we moved to this little town called Washington Courthouse where I was uh, on uh, church staff and we bought a Buick Rendezvous. We actually got payments on this thing. It was an 06 and we got it in I don't remember what year. We paid it off decently quickly because uh, that's what we do. Um, we just we get aggressive about paying off debt. And anyway, but but we had it for years and man, it had all these little quirky, weird things about it. I remember um, we moved to West Virginia when we planted a church there and our and our really good friends, to this day really good friends, Josh and Amy were with us. We were talking about, dude, this interior in this car is so cheap. Like, I, I mean, it's the cheapest plastics. It falls apart all the time. And our friend Josh was in the back and you know that um, those like handles that are up on the roof where you can like hang a coat on or whatever like that. He's holding it and he goes, and Josh is like, Josh is like, man, uh, is it really that cheap? Where I go, yeah. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't even pull, but the the top little handle thing rips out of the top of it, and we all laugh so hard, even though again it was another part of my car falling apart. Um, our rendezvous had so many little issues. A buddy of mine works on cars, and he mentioned that it's the worst car to work on. Ours was burgundy. Um, we had our rendezvous for uh, ten years that we drove and it had so many issues with it one issue that we had uh with it was not the car's fault one day i was visiting my parents and um we were over by where i used to live growing up i grew up in this small white house that was next to this big field where we played ball and stuff like that we had some swing sets there on down the hill we had a basketball court tennis court that kind of thing it was really fun Um, but there was also a fire station there. Well, one day I took my kids to play in the old park that dad grew up in. And, and as I was backing up to go back to my parents' house for something, I think we're visiting for Thanksgiving or something to that tune. Um, as I was backing up, I, I, you know, I looked in both my mirrors, like I tell my kids to do, you know, cause I kind of tell them about driving stuff. And then, um, I did the whole thing where you've got to look over the back, right? You looked and as I'm backing up, backing up, backing up all of a sudden, big crash and what happened was I didn't see it but my tail light banged against a little like um, I guess you could say bar that was coming out of a dumpster and it cracked my tail light I didn't see it because it was like my blind spot right like I didn't I didn't see my I didn't see what was going on because I couldn't see out of there out of both mirrors uh, sorry, all three mirrors and looking out the back, I still couldn't see this one thing sticking out and it cracked my tail light. Well, I thought that's yeah, not a big deal. Well, over the years, things would happen. Um, if it would rain, my tail light would fill up with water and then I had to change the light up. Um, if sometimes if it was really cold, the water in there would freeze and I'd have ice in there. And it just, it was a slight bad look on it. You know what I mean? Because you could see the busted tail light, but you know, so I'd get it changed out. And eventually I, I, I was really supposed to change out the whole thing. 
um, and get a new, you know, plastic covering, whatever you want to say. Some of you guys are like, you're an idiot. Yes, I am. Uh, but, um, but I didn't, I didn't change it out because so many other things were wrong with the car. I got rid of it. But what it was, it was a blind spot that I had that caused so many issues in my life afterwards. And then I did, I never took care of the thing that was a result of my blind spot. As a believer in Jesus, we have that same issue. Uh, one of my favorite sections of all of Scripture is Psalm 139. Um, I love to study it with a group of people. Like, I don't know if you have any other Scripture like that, guys, but like, you know, where you're just like, anytime I can open up this section of Scripture and I, I just want to hear everyone's thoughts on it. And, and how is this, how is this, how are these words reaching their life experience? you know, after chasing after who God is. And, and so this is, um, Psalm 139. I'm going to go through it, um, verse by verse quickly. Um, it goes like this. So if you guys would grab your Bible, if you have one around or open up, you know, biblegateway.com, look up Psalm 139 or maybe a version app. And we're going to go through the Bible for a minute. And then I'm going to kind of talk to you guys about where this hits me today. Um, Verse 1, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, and I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down in the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light shine. Uh, uh, darkness and light are alike to you. Verse 13. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones are not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only, and this is where David always switches it up, by the way, with verse 19. God, if only you would kill the wicked. Your bloodthirsty, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. Who invoke you deceitfully? Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. 
Verse 23, he goes back. (laughs) Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. So if there's any offensive way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. Okay, so David, this is about um, three parts, really two. He says, God has searched me. He knows me. He knows words before I form them. He knows thoughts before I think them. He says, God, I can't escape from your presence as if he would want to. Um, God, there's no place I'm going to go. He says, he says, before I was even formed in the womb, God's the one who formed him in his mother's womb. That's God formed him there. Um, and, and, and he says, before he was formed, God saw him. And, and he says, his, God's thoughts are precious to him. And he, and he counted them. Then he goes into verse 19 through 22, which is kind of what David does. If you guys read much Psalms, David kind of does that, doesn't he? He, he? he goes through, he's like, God, you're amazing. God, I trust you. God, you're, you're the best. And then he goes, but I hate people and I want them to die. But God, I want you to kill them, not me. And, and, and I'll do whatever you want as far as it, as it gets to wiping them out and let them die. And then at the end he says, but God, even if you don't, you're amazing. Amen. That's how David's prayer life is. Maybe yours is kind of like that too. Okay, Psalm 139, I think, teaches us a couple lessons, and it's going to relate back to my story with my old Buick Rendezvous a little bit here for you guys. So um, the first one is, David writes and he says that God has searched him and he knows him and he knows everything about him. David is so known by God, but so loved by God. Like, David, he says, like, God, you know everything about me. There's nothing hidden from you. My darkness is not even hardly darkness to you, Lord, because you light it up. But then he gets to the point where he gives his petitions of prayer against people. And he talks about how they're wicked and they're bloodthirsty men. And he prays that God does something about that. If we had a prayer life similar to that, man, how different would our life look like? Like if we prayed against our enemies. Now, um, you may think, man, that contradicts the Bible, dude. Because you look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 6, 7. It talks about pray for those who persecute you. You can pray for their success. If someone's being awful to you, maybe they, they disagree with you politically and they won't stop. Or maybe it's someone who is a politician. Like if you can't stand President Trump or you know, Nancy Pelosi or somebody, and you feel like, well, I, should I pray that God punishes them for their deeds? And the answer is, yeah, you can. Should I pray for their success in every way? Sure, you absolutely can. David prays for his enemies often, but also he prays that God punishes them. You ever notice that often in Romans and then also in the Old Testament several times, several times, God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God cautions us against getting revenge, doesn't he? But he says he will get vengeance. He will get revenge on our behalf, but mostly on his behalf, really, because it's his name that's made great through that. So if you are one that constantly you know, you're constantly online. You're like, these people are dumb. I can't stand them. And you're divisive. You're divisive. Where I live, we have all these different Facebook groups. And we have one called Bedford Unleashed, which is basically a cesspool of toxicity. Um, It's every day people are calling people different names on different political divides. Um, They are, they're being 
just awful about people locally and nationally all the time. So you don't want to be a part of that. Then we have another group. It's it's um, it's it's like Bedford Township something or other. And it used to be, you know, for community events like, hey, they're having a potluck or, hey, um, these people did this really cool thing. Now, every day, it's Bedford Unleashed again, right? People are talking about different political opinions and its toxicity. Then someone started another Facebook group, and it was called The Best of Bedford. And we, we really like The Best of Bedford. But then, starting yesterday or today, don't, not really sure which one, um, now all the toxicity got to The Best of Bedford. <laughs> People can't help but give rants on things. You read scripture as a believer, you're allowed to do rants, but your rants are petitions to God. If you have something really strong, you want to post online and just let these people have it and find out if more people agree with you, they should be let have it. You should be giving those petitions to God. You should be. Now, here's something he says at the end of his little rant, which this is where I want to kind of land today with you guys. Um, Verse 23 and 24, search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Before he says, God, you have searched my heart. But now he says, God, please search my heart again. Test me. Know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Are you willing, as a Christian, to pray to God to find your blind spot? I'm backing up this old car of mine that's in the junkyard now (laughs) and all of a sudden boom my taillight gets busted if you if you've seen a Buick Rendezvous in the back or maybe you want to google image it um, they have these it's mostly taillight in the back of that thing and so a big you know smash like that that's, that's gonna that's gonna create a big problem it was my blind spot you could say it's not my fault because I didn't know but either way I paid the price for it for years and I never truly wanted to deal with it and it, the problem festered and festered and great electrical issues and all these things like that. I didn't want to deal with it. Are you willing to talk to God and have him deal with your blind spots? That may be the reason why we're so upset with people that disagree with us, or maybe we're so upset with people that have wronged us, wronged us and they really, really have. Maybe it's because we don't want to deal with our own blind spots and we don't want someone to point out ours. You ever notice, you can tell how prideful or how much idolatry you have in your life by if someone points out something that you're doing that's clearly against scripture, how do you react? Do you defend your sin and, and compare it to other people? I'm a parent and, and, and if I mention that my kids did something wrong, they'll automatically throw accusations against other kids, other siblings. And they'll say, and, and instead of owning it, they'll say, but she... Or, but he did this thing. Are we willing to look at our own blind spots in our life? Are we willing to think that maybe the reason (laughs) that we're so upset about what this person does in their life and sin is because we do the same thing. It just comes out in a different form. Maybe. Some of the best advice I've, I've ever been given about how I view people and I've said this on the show before, but um, there's a couple things. Um, one, you can always tell that you're creating God in your own image when you believe God hates everything you hate the most. So if you if you can't stand people that you know practice homosexuality, like if if that's where your heart is today, then 
maybe you're creating God in your own image. <laughs> um, if you if you are a non-violent person and you believe that all violence is wrong and you're a pacifist, which by the way, I vibe with you a bit too, um, but you believe in non-violence. And then, and then you see someone that, that is violent, maybe, just maybe, do you think, well, that's what God believes. God can't stand war. God can't stand violence. So he hates that the most. The bigger piece of advice I've been given about this, not just creating God in your own image, because God created us in our image, and then we kept trying to recreate him. He votes the same way we do. He thinks the same way we do, like God is us. That's how our mind goes. That's how immaturity happens. You could argue that's how the fall of man with Adam and Eve happened. They wanted to recreate God in their image. They wanted to get joy outside of what he is. They wanted to be like him and know what he knows. That's what the serpent offered them, by the way. They want to be like him. They want to create God in their own image. But also, an, another thing to consider, guys, is this, that um, maybe, just maybe, we think that God only hates the sins we don't struggle with. So we see sin in everybody else so easy, and we think God must hate that because I don't struggle with it. I don't have issues with that. If you're married... You're like, well, the people that cheat on their spouse are the scum of the earth, and I can't believe they do that to their family. And the reason is because you're never going to struggle with that. You love your wife. You love your husband. So you think, well, God hates that the most. Or maybe, just maybe, God hates your sin. Not that God hates you, but he hates your sin, and maybe you need to correct that. Are you willing, as you listen to this, to ask God daily to search your heart? I learned a spiritual discipline um, from actually listening to uh, Kyle Alderman. Uh, Kyle Alderman's a, a pretty famous pastor. He's from Southeast Christian Church. I met him a couple times, um, but I, I'm not friends with him. Um, he might know me if I run into him in public, but probably not. Anyway, Kyle um, has this spiritual discipline that he does that I think is really cool. He takes a shower every night, and you're like, why are you telling me this? Well, here's why. Um, at the end of the day, and as he showers, he confesses his sins from that day to God every day. So, you know, so however long it takes, he's confessing his sins. He, he runs through his day and he's like, God, I was prideful there. God, I lied there. God, I, I didn't do the thing you want me to do there. Like it was like a sin of, of omission, not commission, as you could say. Are you willing to look at your blind spots, Christian? And, and find out where you're lacking. Are you, are you willing to say, search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me, lead me to the everlasting way. Are you willing to say, God, search me and find out if I'm offending you in any way and help me fix it? We're getting, are you willing to get better? Are you willing to move forward in your walk with Christ? That's how we improve by saying, God, where are my blind spots? Don't make them blind anymore. Show me how to do better. Guys, these kind of things can have big ramifications if you don't. You'll, you, people will see your sin in your life way quicker than you will. You ever notice that? They will. People will know that you're a prideful person. People can see prideful from a mile away, can't they? People will know you're a prideful person. People will know you're not honest. And we think, well, I just tell lies every once in a while. But if you talk to other people that you've hurt with your lies, 
You come to find out, dude, it's all the time. Because we're not willing to take a look at us because maybe we're so busy studying other people. Uh, Mark Driscoll once said that a Christian should have a Christian should have a bachelor's degree in other people's sins and a PhD in their own sins. Like you should know your sin habits and get rid of them and grow closer to Christ through scripture and prayer and studying under people you respect and love and that will tell you the truth. Pray to God that he will show you your blind spots so you can get better. Because man, if you get better, that means your family gets better. That means your community gets better. That means your church gets better. That means your workplace gets better. Because if you find all the ways you're offending God and correct them, your life is just a better testimony for everybody. So that's our challenge today. Well, anyway, guys, thank you for listening to episode 36 of 100 Foot Jesus Podcast. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. Um, we haven't had a review on iTunes in a while. So if you guys would, this is my my ask to you. If you guys would get on there and leave us a one to five star review. We like five star reviews. And just say what you think of the show. That would be really, really helpful for other people to find us. The show's growing well during this COVID time. Everything's opening back up. So maybe people have less time to listen to podcasts. So we would love to grow even more. And um, we appreciate the heck out of you guys. If you have a question concerning anything like that, as always, please hit me up. I'm obsessed with conversations with listeners. So I appreciate you guys so much. And um, if there's anything you ever want me to talk about on the show, please let me know because a lot of our topics come from you guys. All right, guys. Well, thank you and have a great week.